by asking those questions, the, the person starts to understand there is something beyond the symptom. Two simple questions. How long ago did it start? What's happening in your life around the time? Welcome to this week's episode with Abundance in Action podcast. And uh, my name is Crystal Ralakshmidetan coming to you from beautiful San Diego, California. And I welcome you to this week's Abundance in Action podcast, where we will uh, continue the amazing conversation with Yuri Bihonsky. And we here in Abundance in Action podcast, we believe that each one of us, we have a treasure box inside. And once we open that treasure box, we can start to live our dreams on our terms here and now. So please um, enjoy this episode. And as always, please like, share and comment in the end of it and enjoy also the amazing gift Yuri has put together. And if you have any other questions or would like to support that, us in any way, please let us know as well. So till the next time, be aloha. Mahalo. So what um, part does that um, process um, play in uh, connecting to the conscious and subconscious mind as a therapist? Like how is it you use it or don't use it? Or why is it important to use those two polarities? As you notice, I talk in metaphors, and I like to simplify uh, simplify things, not to complicate them. Uh, so a person comes, why are you here? I'm suffering from clinical depression. So you see, depression, okay. So tell me, what are you sad about? And then there are two important questions that we forget to ask. How long ago did it start? And what happened in your life around the time? We're looking, it's not yet the cause, it's the trigger. And then when was the first time in your life when you felt that way? Then we go to the subconscious. Then actually, by asking those questions, the, the person starts to understand there is something beyond the symptom. Two simple questions. How long ago did it start? What happened in your life around the time? And what was your emotional reaction to, to what happened? And when did you feel like that first time in your life? Uh, you see, like, for instance, the breakup of a relationship. And my boyfriend or my husband uh, found another younger woman, okay, and they left me. I'm depressed. I, I, I feel horrible. Life is not worth living. I was abandoned. When was the first time in your life when you felt abandoned? I know what I'm finding recently quite a lot. Up to a few years ago, people talking about the critical mothers. Now we're coming to a stage when people are talking about the emotionally absent fathers. All father left the family and does not have any contact, or he is in the family, but he's not emotionally connected. They've got his computer, his television, his computer games. They've got his alcohol from time to time, and he's not interested in the rest. So what's the way to um, process through that okay. situation? So you see... One of the things that I like to do, instead of talking about it <coughs> in therapy for the next 25 years, I will say to the client, okay, I want you to imagine I'm your father. I'm your father. Look at me. What do you need from me? And if father has died, I said, okay, I went to the other side. I put an empty chair. I went to the other side and I invited the spirit of your father to be present with us. Your father is sitting here on the chair. 
what would you like to say to your father? Now become your father. Father, what would you like to say to your daughter? We do a dialogue. So it's a question of experiencing it. But sometimes happens, okay? I say, I'm your father, what do you need from me? Nothing. Okay? I want you to imagine a little girl standing here. And this little girl is you. How old is four years old? Look at her eyes. This little four-year-old girl, what does she need from her father? She needs attention. She needs love. So now, so the four-year-old needs attention and love. And the 40-year-old does not need it anymore. Because you see, when there is a relationship problem, okay, we need to go to the first, okay, if a woman has a, uh, problems with relationship with, with one man or few men, because we sometimes copy the pattern from one man to the other, maybe we should go to the first man in your life who was your father and see what happens here. When was the first time one of your parents looked you in the eyes and said to you in those words, I love you and I'm proud of you? Do you know how many people say never? How can you grow up as a normal human being that for the past 40 years of your life, nobody looked into your eyes and said to you, I love you and I'm proud of you? Just don't use those words. It's question of giving permission the person to ask for what they need. It is my basic human right. I went to my father or to my mother and I said to my father and mother, I need you to just once to look into my eyes and tell me that you love me and you're proud of me. I'm not asking for it, I'm demanding it because it's my basic human right. And even if they don't respond, the moment that I expressed it, something has changed inside me. It's not about changing the other person, it's about changing something inside me. Okay, I want to explain it metaphorically in the most simple, basic way I can. And please, whoever listened to it, please forgive me for my words. When I sit on the toilet, and I have shit. By having shit, I don't change the toilet. I change myself. Can we stop trying to change the other person and just change ourselves? Can we just dispose of the emotional shit that we carry in our inside ourselves and put it back to where it belongs? What the other person will do with it is their responsibility. So in case someone's uh, parents have already passed to the other side, can they do this exercise um, where they imagine their parent being in front of them and saying, I love you, I'm proud of you, just kind of imagining as, as um, like a little journey inside of them? So you sit on the chair, let's say your father died, okay, and we have an empty chair. And I want to imagine that the spirit of your father is in an empty chair. And you said to the spirit of your father, I want, I need you to tell me that you love me and you're proud of me. Now he said to you, okay, leave your chair, sit on the father's chair. Now your father, your daughter said to you, tell me that you love me and you're proud of me. What would you answer? 
It's called Gestalt. It's about changing course. It's about doing it and not talking about it forever. Mm, I understand. It must be difficult for you. So how do you feel about it and how do you feel about it? It can go forever and nothing is changing. People go to therapy for the rest of their lives. They go from one therapy to the other. They try different things. But on a practical level, is the question is, what do you do with it? I see the process as going through three stages. First stage is the experience. Next stage is the integration. What do I learn about myself through the experience? And then come the third stage, which is the most important of them all, is application. What are you going to do about it? So when someone does this uh, process because they are doing it, they start to shift um, not only on their conscious level, but also on subconscious level. And then actually that, in a way, starts to like overwrite the old programs, right? Yes, and it affects the environment. This is the beauty of it. You see, it takes one minute to change everything. It takes one minute. How long it takes to do one minute is not a story. It's a process. But one sentence, one action, one step in life, and your life can just turn around. It takes one minute. The problem is how long we need to spend time to reach this one minute. So you have now traveled to like over 60 countries, and I'm, as an anthropologist, I'm... 70. 70, okay. Uh, very excited to hear um, what have you discovered about human nature when you have traveled to so many countries like um, do you see more similarities or differences is okay. there some big insights you have um, collected from your journeys okay I'll answer this question my way okay whenever I go to different countries I also have television interviews you know radio interviews, newspaper. And one of the, a lot of people ask me the question, what is the difference between us and the others? We're always looking to compare and looking for differences. Why don't we look what we have in common? When we sad, we cry. When we're happy, we smile. You see, this looking at differences is brought so much misery, wars, and uh, genocides to the world, and religious world wars. Deep inside, we are all the same. You take a black person, brown person, white person, yellow person, you open their body inside, you're going to find the same two lungs and one heart. Under the color of the skin, we are all the same. Uh, I choose to believe that we are born good. We are God, prince and princesses, and life turns us into frogs. We are born good. We, we are born, all born with a potential to self-actualize. No matter which country and which culture we're coming from. And you always look for similarities, not for differences. It's very important. 
you know, there, there is actual research, you know, now about uh, what the difference between men and women. Do you know that a woman, women have smaller brains than men? Come on. It's ridiculous. Why to compare all the time? I'm a man, you are a woman. Let's see what we have in common. No, I'm a woman. It's my right to change my mind. I'm a man. Men are stubborn. Women are like that. Men are like that. And this is it. Now let's get married, have children together and have a happy life. Why can't we put the human being first? What can we put? Why can't we put the... Uh, the human, the person first. So now you have also done lots of research and have lots of experiences with your clients as well um, about cancer. And um, you also um, very into psychoneuroimmunology. Yes. Can you yeah. tell us the connection with those two and um, what do you think causes cancer? Okay. What's your personal take? Uh, my my first answer, my first responsible answer is, I don't know. Now let's continue. Okay? What I'm looking at in my research more specifically is I'm looking and in what way there is something uh, called complex post-traumatic post stress disorder and there is something called adverse childhood experiences. And they actually looking in what way childhood traumas can develop as cancer in adult life. Now, the research is inconclusive, okay, because in a way our tools, academic tools of research are too primitive to prove anything, in a way. But what I'm saying it's worth looking at the possibility because if I, if I clean the emotional garbage that I stored in my body, there's something called cell memory. Our, our uh, subjective perception of the environment is affecting our immune system and our neurological system. Now, there is another interesting research that says that life actually does not begin at birth. Life begins at conception. Life begins how the fetus inside the mother is experiencing the outside environment and reacting to it. There actually is some evidence to it today. Uh, so it actually negate the old genetic theory. Uh, if one of my parents had cancer, I have to be careful and I might have cancer too. And my, I need to go and check myself, especially when I'm a woman, I need to check my breast for breast cancer all the time. This fear is already affecting something. It's with, like with the coronavirus. 
the more they scare us, the more we're going to get it. We're supposed to be scared of something because it is how they can control us better. We've been controlled by fear. If you're not going to be good, you're going to be punished. So in the beginning, we had God. You're not going to be, behave. You're going to go to hell and you're going to be punished. Religion has collapsed. Then we had the communism and, and, and the Soviet Union. The communists are going to invade us. <coughs> There's no Soviet Union anymore. So then we invaded AIDS. If you're going to, to have too much sex, you're going to get AIDS. So half of the population of the world is going to die through AIDS. They did not. In England, in Wales, they done a special course for AIDS counselors. They took 3,000 counselors and run them through a course how to work with people with AIDS. After they trained 3,000 counselors, nobody in all of Wales, in England, got AIDS. There, wasn't any, there weren't any AIDS cases. But there were trained counselors how to deal with AIDS. So always create something we have to be afraid of. Terrorism, you know. I can, you see, I can go to politics and ask, you know, who has created this Taliban and this, uh, this kind of people? Who's, who sold them uh, the weapons in the first place? It's just, I'm sorry. We are controlled by fear and we need to find our own freedom we need within it. Yes, maybe I need to conspiracy theories. Okay, what's wrong with that? Let's be skeptical and let's be critical. Let's not just swallow everything that they give us to eat. Let's have an independent mind, a critical mind. Help people to have their own independent mind. Think for yourself. Yeah, I so agree. I um, just found a quote by Gandhi and it says, an eye for an eye only ends up making the world blind. Okay, so I give, I give you an, another uh, quote by Gandhi. Mm. The only devils in this world are those who are running in our own hearts. And this is where the battle should be fought. We created those devils. And then we need to find an enemy to find, because as long as somebody is bad, this may, makes us good. And if somebody does not follow our model of democracy, we're going to, to bomb them. We're going to send planes and bomb yeah. them. The war on everybody does not think like us and behave like us. Mm -hmm. Our morals are better than their morals. Yeah, and um, I have another one here from Gandhi, which is like really fitting in here that uh, he thought the enemy is fear. We think it's hate, but it's fear. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was once in a lecture and the, the lecturer asked, what is the opposite of love? And people say hate and things like that. And he said, no, the opposite of love is fear. We have fear of love. Oh. What would you suggest? How can uh, people start to move out of fear and into courage? Like, what's the connection there? Is there something they can do? So many people are so, like, extra afraid right now. The fear is so big. They are, like, paralyzed by fear. So what, what can they do? Or is there something they can take? First of all, okay, 
is to ask a person some simple questions. Okay? It's about teaching the person to ask questions and give the answer. What is going to make you happy? What do you need right now to be happy? What is the most basic, simple thing that you need right now to be happy? I want you to imagine your ideal life, your ideal relationship, your ideal family, your ideal job. Imagine it. And be as unrealistic as possible. So what happens when they are unrealistic as, as, as unrealistic as possible? What happens in their mindset and in their being? Then we develop. You see, if you take all the great philosophers, poets, artists, musicians, all of them, free their mind and then and start to produce something unrealistic. People start dreaming about, you know, this is how the big inventions in history happened. Because people were trying to have an impossible idea and see how we can create it. And that's why we have planes and big ferries and radio and electricity and all of those things. Uh, uh Okay. No. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But you see, you you think like crazy, like going to the moon or moving to Mars. Okay. You see what what happens to those big inventions? Okay. Everything has a positive side and a negative side. Imagine ten years ago, you could say to somebody, "I've been watching a movie on my phone." They will tell you you are crazy. So, okay, so we've got all those communication things. We can now talk that way from the two sides of the world. That's great. But in a way, we stop communicating face to face. A headmaster in his school told me he caught two of his pupils standing in the same corridor, texting to each other on the mobile phone in the same corridor. We become more lonely and more isolated. The human connection, the community connection is disappearing. So maybe we need more communal fires so to come together and talk story. Yes, and I tell you, the, the positive thing about the corona thing, because now I'm running everything on, on Zoom, people suddenly become hungry for human contact. You have to understand how much you miss it first to understand how much you need it. You don't realize that you are thirsty until your well runs dry. So over the years, um, you have also experienced a lot about money and abundance. And um, what's your relation to money and abundance and how you see how is this important okay. in the world? What can you do to create more? I tell you, I've got interesting experience with it. When I was living in England, I opened a school in England. Okay. I had uh, 15 students. Then I opened another course. I had 30 students in total. I said, okay, maybe I open a third course. I took pen and paper and calculator, and I calculated how much money I can make a year. 
how much money I can make in five years, how much money I can take in 10 years. I, I done a business plan. I went to my bank manager and I received a loan of half a million pounds sterling. I bought myself a house with an indoor swimming pool, heated, and a jacuzzi. After a few years, I went bankrupt because reality did not read my uh, my business plan. The, least, the lesson that he taught me is put money second. The abundance comes when you do something that you feel passionate about and you believe in it. Then you're going to get paid for it. It's about opening your heart to receive. So basically, going back to where we kind of also touched um, about, you know, the mission and passion and also um, sharing your gifts with the world. So that like creates that abundance and then you don't even need to work for it because you just do it out of passion and it just comes almost naturally. You see... As I said numerous times, my life was given to me back as a gift. I'm not the owner of the gift. I'm the keeper of the gift. And my mission in life is to give the gift to others. When I give the gift to others, I tell them the gift does not belong to you. You just keep it and your mission in life is to continue giving it to others. This is exactly the reason I'm doing this interview with you. Because I know it will go further. I've got something to say. I've got a message. I'm on a mission. I went to the other side. I was clinically dead. And I was sent back to do exactly that. So how can we help people to realize that before, like, you know, almost going into that tunnel of light and (laughs) dying? How can we wake them up other than Corona and other ways? Or is it just like you can't? wake up anyone it's just like when it's time it's time and it will be happening and i want you to imagine that you've just been told that you've got six months to live in perfect health after six months you die what are you going to do when the answer comes so why don't you start now for longer than six months It's about creating provocation. I love creating provocations. It's about making people think. Not everybody likes it. Yeah. I might be too sharp or something. So now imagine like when this day comes and you move forward to another world, what's the legacy you would like to leave behind? We are greater than we are and we are responsible. And when I said the word responsible, I mean responsible. We are able to respond to what is happening to us. That's very uh, beautiful and very deep. You see, the whole idea is to touch somebody's soul and allowing myself to touch by somebody's soul. It's not an intellectual exercise. It's much more than that. And the moment that they took the human behavior and human nature and human desires and put, locked it into a scientific boxes and put labels on each box. At that, that moment, what they try to do is to kill the human spirit. They start to classify us. Depression is just deep sadness. 
and this deep sadness, in, in my opinion, and I might be wrong, I love this sentence, in my opinion, I might be wrong, it's the inability to become angry. Angry people don't get depressed. Anxiety disorder? What are you afraid of? What is the fear? Because you see, if I come and I say to my environment, I feel sad, I feel, I, I feel sad, they will say to come and snap of it. It's not the end of the world. But if I want to say I'm suffering from depression, or I say clinical depression, oh, poor you, you are sick. Go to get empathy and understanding now. So those labels we create just to protect ourselves and to get stuck into it. People swallow antidepressants for 20, 30 years, go to therapy once a week, and after 20, 30 years of therapy, they're still depressed. Because the therapist, the psychologist is trying to get them back to function in real life. I don't want to function in real life. This life might be real, but it's not for me. I don't want to work in this office, on this place of work. It's horrible. I don't want to stay in this relationship. My needs, emotional needs, are not met. It doesn't have to be abusive or violent. It's my emotional needs are not being met. So I went to therapy and I learned how to ask for emotional needs, okay? My husband doesn't tell me that he loves me. So what do you want me to do? Homer, go to your husband and tell him that you need to hear him tell you that he loves you. So she went and told him. She comes next session and she said, my husband said, 30 years ago when I married you, I told you that I love you. If something will change, you'll be the first to know. So what do I do next? I'm going to convince to convince her to accept reality and to continue in this kind of life. Look at the beautiful side of your husband, okay? Maybe you don't need to hear that you loved. What do I do? For me, the individual comes first. The individual needs come first. What we do is sacrifice ourselves for a dream, for a fairy tale that never happens. If you don't like your house, you don't like your job, change it. You can move. You're not a tree. You can move from one place to the other. Don't need to get stuck in one place, in one profession forever. My male clients are usually men over 40 who are uh, computer programmers. After 40, they stop liking it. But this is why this is what I've been doing all my life. What else can I do? We get stuck in some kind of narrow perception. If you start something, you have to finish it. Stability and security in life is the most important thing. Stability and security, the weather is unstable. One moment it's raining, the other moment the sun is shining. Then it comes day, then it comes night. Everything is moving. The river is flowing. I cross the river and the river is not the same river anymore. I cannot cross the same river twice. 
but we human beings look for stability and security. I'm sorry, it's unnatural. If ever your husband tells you, you're not doing that, I, you, I married, take it as a compliment. So in a way, it's uh, really good to maybe put like a little intention instead of functioning, actually yep. thrive, thrive, you know. Um, I'm here to thrive. I'm here to share my gifts and yep. and then things will start to unfold. I share my gifts, yes. Uh, but Okay, I'm going to share my gift, but my gift is not being received and rejected by the other part. So do I sacrifice myself? Sorry, when we're not happy, we need to move and make difficult decisions. We're not supposed to stay in the same place forever. Hopefully, hopefully it can happen. But until it will happen, maybe we need to have some storms in our life, some little dramas that will put us in the right place. Unfortunately, we learn through our dramas and our own pain. So it's also, I think this process is calling forward for trust, not only in general, but trust yourself, trust others, trust like higher universe force, whatever you call it. Yeah, it's because about, yeah, it's about trusting. It's about trusting. And in a way, always to ask myself a question, what have I learned about myself, not from that person, but through that person? Why do I attract the same people into my life over and over again? What it is about me? And it, because I choose to believe that each person that I meet in my life, professional, personally, I meet them for a reason. This person came to me to teach me something about myself. When the client leaves my therapy room, I take a few minutes for myself. I take a deep breath. I go inside myself and I ask myself, what have I learned about myself through this person? Not from that person, but through this person. Okay, let me say it in another sentence. I want to send my gratitude to all the fathers and the mothers in the world for fucking up their children and giving us therapists so much business. Really, thank you. But in a way, because we had those kind of parents, okay, we be some of us became who we are. So when I talked about my injury, okay, my near-death experience, sometimes I, I think to myself, what would have happened if it, it has not happened to me? Where would I be now? Married with two children, uh, with uh, feeling unhappy, depressed, uh, with panic attacks, what, you know. In a way, it was the best thing ever happened to me. A gift, a lesson. The biggest tragedy in our life is just a lesson. It's a gift from the universe. It was like a divine intervention. Yeah. What would you say for for people to wrap this up today? Like, um, you have some suggestions for them how to think right now or something to do. What would you suggest? First of all, become aware where you are now. Let me say it metaphorically. 
I'm driving. Somebody invited me for dinner in their house. I got the address. I put it on the GPS. I'm driving. The GPS stopped functioning. I got lost. I called my friend. I said, I'm lost. Give me direction. My friend says to me, tell me where you are now so I can give you direction. So let's start with the now, where I am now in my life. Then where I'm coming from. And where I want to go. You see, when, many years ago when I was still normal and not practicing psychology, I used to be a history teacher. And I was explaining to my students, how can you make one step to the future without knowing where you came from? So the here and now is very nice. You know, another sentence that really makes me angry is, you should love yourself. You should love yourself. I'm sorry, I cannot love myself if I don't have love inside me. A car cannot drive without petrol. So I need to find a way to be loved by somebody so I can find this love inside me to love myself. You should love yourself. I know it logically. I've got all the answers in my head. I'm an intelligent person. I read positive, I read American books from California about positive psychology. I know them by heart. In here, I know, I've got the answers. But what's happening inside the body is something different. And the body never lies. The more we are in denial, the more our body sends us messages. And sometimes develop nasty diseases. So we should listen to our body more too, and then give it what it needs. So I want you to imagine, for instance, that you've got a tummy ache. Okay? So instead of taking some medication, I want you to imagine, close your eyes, go, turn your eyes inside, and look at inside your tummy, and find this place that is causing you pain. Imagine it as a shape and a color. And now I want you to become this pain. Pain, what are you saying to Crystal? Now you Crystal, what are you saying to this pain? We create dialogue, we create awareness, because this part wants to tell us something. The problem is, we are the only way most of us use our body is as a mean of transport to our head. We forgot we have a body. We don't use it enough. I know you have uh, very many amazing stories. Is there one story you could share in the very end here to inspire people? It can be a metaphoric story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I travel around the world, I like to listen to folklore stories. So here comes a story from India. In the mountains of India, there was an old wise man. And what this wise man had, was done, he was walking from one village to the other to preach his wisdom. Each village knew in advance when the wise man is coming. He was coming to a village in the middle of the day, had something to eat, had a wash, had a short sleep. In the evening, there was a fire in the middle of the village. All the villagers sat in a big circle, and the old man was preaching his wisdom, went to sleep. In the morning, he moved to the next village. In one of the villages, there was a young man. 
a very angry young man. I think people don't understand how clever I am. They invited some old fool to talk. I'm going to show the people of the village who is the clever one, who is the wise one. And this is my plan. I'm going to catch a butterfly. And when the old man will start talking, I will run to the old man and I say to him, if you are so wise, guess what I have in my hand. Is this butterfly dead or alive? If the wise man, which, if the old man say, the butterfly is alive, I'm going to squeeze my hand, kill the butterfly, and show a dead butterfly to everybody. If the old man will say, the butterfly is dead, I'll open my hand, and the butterfly will fly away. So I'm going to prove him wrong. The day came, the wise man came to the village, had something to eat, had a wash, had a sleep. In the evening, big circle, fire in the middle. The wise man walks to the middle of the, of the circle, and as he wants want to start to talk, this young man runs towards him and said, Old man, stop. If you are so wise, tell me what I have in my hand. The old man said, Well, it's a butterfly. That was easy. Now tell me, is this butterfly dead or alive? The old man took a deep breath and smiled and said, it is in your hand if the butterfly is dead or alive. It is in our hand if our life is dead or alive. We hold it here. We hold life in our hand. What are we going to do with it? Close it and kill it, or just keep it with an open hand. And share it as a gift with humanity. What a beautiful story. It is really in our hands. So thank you so much, Yuri, for this beautiful time and sharing all the knowledge and all the treasures with us, uh, such an abundant time. And um, you also are going to record a special video for our guests. So yeah. we'll be a little surprised what this is. So once it's done, we'll make a special page yeah. so people can load it up and then um, enjoy it. And um, so if people would like to, if they are they probably have to live in Estonia, I guess, if they want to be part of your school, or do you have online school too, like people can be part of? Okay, at the moment I've got a school in Romania, in Moldova, and in Armenia. But I do I do courses online too. Mm -hmm. so, so what's what's the best way to find info about your courses? Is there one page where it's all collected or...? Okay, I like the personal contact. Okay, find me on Facebook. Write to me. Mm -hmm. And then you can give them and information. Stop. Yeah. Okay. So we put your uh, details uh, below this podcast in the notes so they can find it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. And um, I wish you all the best with the beautiful targets and goals you have. And I think this information as happiness expert is very needed in the world. So thank you for what you thank do you. and yeah. who you are. 